Hi, y'all. I'm Amy. And I'm Jess. And we are two sober women committed to helping you live an optimized life. This show is about stories and strategies to help you optimize your health, your relationships, and your businesses. We focus on keeping it simple and having fun. Hi, y'all. Welcome to another episode of the Optimized Life Podcast. I'm so happy to be here. And, you know, the topic that we have in store for you all today is something that maybe you think about often and maybe you haven't thought about at all, but this idea of purpose and what it is and a pressure to be on purpose, to live on purpose, to have a purpose, to be able to talk about a purpose. Um, that can feel like a lot. And so today, Jess and I just want to talk about our experiences with purpose and all the different ways that um, we've looked for it, what we've found, because I think we both can sit here and, and really with like a full body, yes, I can say like, yes, I'm fucking living on purpose moment to moment imperfectly and doing the damn thing. So this is going to be a yummy episode of lots of knowledge, lots of life experiences. And um, yeah, we look forward to hearing from you of what comes out of it for you. Such a great topic. Thanks for kicking us off, Amy. I mean, you know, through all of these life changes, this topic resonates so deeply with me. I remember when I quit my corporate job designing trading systems for Wall Street or on Wall Street, and there was just this enormous amount of pressure on so many different levels. And I, all I knew at the time was that I wasn't happy doing that work, right? And I didn't know quite what that next um, phase of work or my career would look like. And man, has it been a 12-year journey of ever-evolving um, purpose work, right? And, and there is a lot of pressure. There's a lot of pressure um, in so many different areas. And I know for you and me, and we were talking a little bit before we jumped on the recording about the pressure of finding your purpose after getting sober. And, you know, fortunately for us, um, you know, I, I had been doing the work in health and wellness this entire time. So for me, it was just a tiny shift over into this more of this mental wellness space, but there wasn't this big um, need for me to find more purpose, right? It was like, oh, I can use this life experience of living, um, you know, a conscious sober life to help my clients. But that was, you know, that that's like the extent of it, right? There's a, there's a rebalancing process that needs to happen after getting sober. But I have watched so many people that I have mentored um, in that area just really struggle to find purpose after getting sober. And whether it's in the rooms of recovery or, um, you know, in whatever avenue, you know, you've taken to live or live this sober conscious life, if that's what you're choosing to do, um, there's just a lot of pressure. I mean, I see people trying to go out and get their, um, you know, master's degrees to try to, you know, help other people in addiction or a lot of mental health counseling and, and, um, and then I watched them still not be happy after going through all of that. Right. So I love this topic and um, we're going to die. I thought where we would start today is there's a really great book called man's search for meaning. And if you've read that book, um, it's great. If not, you should definitely read it. It, um, it really describes the search for life meaning as um, a central human motivational force. And I think 
I think that's so true, right? We see that, um, and, and he, and this is Victor Frankel is the author and we'll put it in the show notes, but he identified three main uh, ways of realizing meaning in life, right? And that one is making a difference, which I think is very intuitive, right? We find so much meaning in service um, and losing ourselves in this, not losing ourselves, but just being in the service of others and out of our own heads. <laughs> um, another way we find meaning is through experience, right? Very experiential. And the other way is by adopting attitudes as he, as he, you know, talks about. But when I thought about this and the way I look around it and, and, and see how people are really searching for meaning, including myself is my connection with God or my higher power, right? Through a spiritual or religious practice. Um, this isn't my experience personally, but I see people, um, you know, through having children that creates a lot of meaning, right? Um, through our work. And, and then we have some of the more kind of out there things like astrology and personality tests. And we're going to be talking a little bit about that. But Amy, I would love to hear like your journey. Like, where do you go to find meaning? Yeah, such a great question. You know, when you were talking about um, how long, uh, I'm just thinking back of like, how long have I been on this journey? And I, I remember I had a flash of like middle school where they started this program called PALS. And it was this opportunity to do like um, basically connection with other humans. And at the same time, I was already like deeply um, curious about my friends' religions and, and where they went to church and how they studied it. And so I'm just thinking back of how like I've been on this journey since like grade one, right? Like, can I go to church with you, please? I want to see what your church is all about. Oh, you're Jewish. Can I go to church with you? Can I do this with you? So I have been seeking forever. And, um, and, and I think like that whole time, it's like, what does it all freaking mean? You know, and what do I connect with most? And I, I am, I'm definitely a paradox in so many different ways. You know, like I am grounded. I do believe in God and higher power. And there's some things that I love about religious, you know, organized religion things. And there's some things that I don't. And I freaking totally believe in astrology. And I'm out there with all like my crystals and my little, all of the things that I do. And I use my menstrual blood every month to do rituals. My mom's like, are you a witch? And I'm like, yeah, maybe, I don't know. But I use all of these different things because it feels good to me. So what I've noticed over the years, and especially living as a conscious sober woman is, I mean, you hear me say this so often, I can take what I want and leave what I don't. And I trust myself so much that I use the things that like make me feel good, that then give me the inspiration and the motivation to create meaning for my life. So I think that that's going to be a big theme of this talk today too, because it's not that I haven't searched outside of myself. I mean, hell, I've used every kind of psychedelic. I've used all the kinds of drugs, alcohol, sex, men, music, you know, all of the things. But now I've been able to pull it all together and take what I want, leave what I don't come back for more later because it means something to me. And it gives me a foundation of purpose, feelings and emotions and tingly sensations throughout my body to provide me the inspiration and the motivation to bring it to the world and to share it with my clients, my friends, the people that I love. So, um, 
yeah, I had, you know, when I really look back and settle into this conversation, I have felt a tremendous amount of pressure my whole entire existence to have purpose. And fuck, if I wasn't going to make purpose out of becoming sober, because that was such a hard, you know, I made it and I fully take responsibility for that. I made that so treacherous to actually just put down the alcohol because it was my favorite coping mechanism in the world. So um, it still surprises me like, oh, I just don't think about that anymore. And um, how much purpose that has given me because it's freed my mind up to not be so concerned with how I'm going to numb out all of my feelings that I feel so deeply. So yeah, this is going to be so good. I'm excited to continue this conversation. So it's so good. I know. And I just want to, I love what you said. And, and I know we say this a lot in recovery, but take what you want and leave the rest, right? Take what works for you and leave the rest. And what, what you were saying there just really resonated with me because I think, you know, I grew up actually, uh, my dad was a pastor. And so I had a lot of um, interaction with faith, if you will, and religion and that sort of thing. And then, you know, and I chose to, um, to not take that path as a, as a way or a search or, or meaning for me personally, if that makes sense. And so, and I was so rigid about that, especially, you know, when I started using early on when I was um, a teenager, I was so set in that uh, in terms of no, that, that isn't something that gives me meaning and um, very rigid around that. And then it wasn't until I got sober that now that rigidity, rigidity is kind of lessened. And, and now I'm very curious, right? Um, and so I love all the things too. And I just, I like to say I'm very open, although, you know, I'm analytical when I evaluate it, <laughs> whether or not it's going to give me meaning. So it just made, it made me laugh. And then the crystals, I mean, we lived in the crystal store growing up in Hawaii. And then, um, yeah, that it's just funny how all of these things Things come back around and not to say that that's a trend or anything, but now I have crystals again and, you know, I'm just like really open. So, um, so much fun. And so let's jump into, um, how we, where, where do we go to look for meaning and purpose? And I think, um, and we, we opened with a few of the things, right? So, um, we see a lot of people immersed in personality tests. We're going to talk a little bit about that because it's such a, a trending space right now. And a lot of our clients, um, you know, are taking those tests. Um, we also see that in people buying courses, online courses that they never finish. And, and that just kind of goes into the self-help books that sit by our bedside unread. And so, you know, um, again, it's much easier to invest in it than to actually do it, right? And so, yeah, let's jump into to some of those areas. And this should be a fun conversation. And we're going to start with the personality test because that's a... Uh, it gets me all, all, all kind of jazzed up because we do, we put so much meaning in, in these things. And, you know, the personality test industry is like a 3 billion plus projected to be much bigger here shortly. So it's a huge industry. And it seems like every year there's kind of this um, sparkling personality test that everybody's talking about. And I know um, the first intro I ever had, and, and, me, and Amy, I'd be curious to hear if this is your first personality test, was the Myers-Briggs, right? I had a, 
um, a co-op at Intel Corporation back in the late 90s. And I remember they, they um, issued these tests to all employees, right? And that test has really, really defined me for so long. I took that INTJ, I'm pretty sure that's what I am. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I've lived my, my entire life as if I'm that. And when you pull back the layers on some of these things, on some of these personality tests, they really don't have, um, you know, meaning, the meaning that we think they do, right? And so uh, Myers-Briggs in, in particular, I mean, that was formed off of Carl Jung's um, you know, kind of hypotheses. And it was then determined that people don't fit into these categories in a you know, cookie cutter way. And I love the quote that Carl Jung has, every individual is an exception to the rule, right? So that, that was his um, view of personality tests and these sort of archetypes. And then of course, you know, we had two people take that test and run with it. Two people with no, it's not even a test. They, they had two people, women, that had no experience or formal training in this space take this um, kind of framework that Carl Jung had put together and they turned it into Myers-Briggs, right? And that's the, the big test that, that all of the companies use today. So Amy was, and they've determined that it's totally ineffective at predicting people's success in jobs or relationships and that people get different results every time they take it. And, and so the fact that companies put so much meaning in this and then we put so much meaning in it and then take these archetypes as if they were true is really an interesting, um, yeah, interesting thing that, that we're watching. So um, Amy, was this the first test that you've taken? Yeah, totally. Myers-Briggs was the first test I took. I think I took it in college um, in, the, in the late 90s. So right around that same time period. Um, and it's so funny because I, I know it's, I'm introvert, but I can't remember the other ones right now at this moment. And then the disc, I think was the next one that I was really introduced to and, and started working with. And, um, and I was just remembering, you know, as we're talking about this, like, again, first of all, wherever you are, like, we're right there with you, right? Like, I will meet you there, Jess will meet you there. And I was just thinking of, um, you know, in my early 20s, where, um, you know, you were kind of kicking everything away that we learned growing up and that we want to just like find this pathway. And so it is so great to have all of this information. I remember the, uh, the Church of Scientology, of course, was right in front of the, the University of Texas. And I, they had some kind of thing that said personality test in front of their um, thing. And I was just like, oh my gosh, this is just like the best breeding ground for, for us because we are just like, who the fuck are we? And so we want to look to something and, um, and we give these tests to high school students to support them to figure out like what their major is going to be. And, and we're going to talk more about this, but like we're through all of these processes, what we're not learning is consistency and safety. And we'll be back right after a word from our sponsor. What if you had a tool that could help keep you accountable? mend your fractured relationships, and establish healthy daily routines. Soberlink's remote alcohol monitoring system is designed to help you create an optimized life, y'all. It's trusted by thousands of treatment professionals nationwide, including me. Soberlink helps recovering individuals gain accountability for sobriety through a comprehensive system that combines daily scheduled testing 
with advanced reporting capabilities to track progress. Soberlink devices use real-time results, facial recognition, and tamper detection to ensure the integrity of each test so your loved ones can witness you thrive in recovery. For tips on how to achieve lasting recovery, as well as a $50 off promo code, visit soberlink.com forward slash thrive. And that is, I feel like so much of what is missing from all of this stuff, because it is, it can become that next bright, shiny object and the subconscious mind wants there to be an answer or maybe more of the prefrontal cortex wants there to be an answer. And the subconscious mind is like, well, I'm an IFTNJ or whatever the thing is, or I'm a, you know, in human design, I'm a manifesting generator and disc I'm dominant influencer and in indigo, uh, you know, I mean, again, I like so many of the things that I read in here and it does help me and support me to be feel seen, felt and heard in certain ways, but without consistency and safety, I, I, I'm not going to become or be really anything, you know, and I think that that's something that um, I learned very early on in college and thank God I, I do have that spirit of doing the same thing over and over and over again and not getting bored. I don't know why I'm wired that way. Maybe one of the personality tests will tell me, but I mean, even from my days when I was voted most likely to own a chain of Sonics, for those of you from high school listening, you know, that was fucking true. Um, I, I could like run the Sonic at like 17 years old with my friend Shay, right? Like we were badass at it because we didn't mind that rhythm. And I, and I feel like that, like that for me is the thing. Like I really like a rhythm. My body really um, like just turns on for some kind of rhythm to my life. And the personality test can kind of get me confused on what my own beat is. <laughs> um, although some of it is really good, but maybe you're out there and you're listening and you don't have that same wiring in your nervous system like I have or just has. And so, you know, there's that tendency to look for that validation. My question just for you is once you get that validation from the Myers-Briggs, from the Indigo, from human design, from the Enneagram, from any of these personalities, what do you do with it? Yeah, that's so good. And um, I love how you referred to like what we get, like every time we take one of these tests, we're, we're trying to get something out of it, right? We're trying to get some answers, some validation, some meaning purpose, right? But you said it helps you to be seen, felt and heard. Whew. Isn't that the truth, right? Um, every time I take one of these tests, and, and, and like you, I've taken all of them, right? I have my Enneagram, I have my disc, I have my Indigo. I have my human design, which uh, um, we'll talk a little bit about too, just because that's the bright, shiny object right now. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's more than just taking the tests. It's like what you're going to do with the results of it, right? And that's where a lot of people we see like totally stop um, because it's like, oh, I am a you know, projector in this, um, you know, archetype. And that means I need to wait for somebody to invite me. And, you know, and, that, and that's one of the um, archetypes in human design. 
And it's like, is, how is that serving you? How is the, how is that knowing that or um, believing that serving you? And is that getting in the way of you being able to take that action? Right. So, you know, the human design one is really interesting because I feel like that, that has really taken off through this pandemic and it just sitting back and watching people really immerse themselves in that has been so interesting. I just, it's really incredible because if, if, if those of you who have taken it, um, it's very complex and you almost need like, you know, a PhD to, to reverse engineer what it, what it means. Right. And, uh, and I guess that makes, you know, there's a, there's a part of that that makes people feel special when they understand, when they're able to understand that. Right. Um, and so that one's just been really interesting. And, and, and I was doing a little bit of research on that. Cause of course, every time I do one of these tests, my husband comes and chimes in he's like, he's like, this thing is, you know, he's very much, um, whereas Amy and I are very open to these sorts of things. He's very much not open. And he tries to find, you know, the, the, the scam in it, if you will. And he's like, this test was created by some guy, you know, in Ibiza, who's, you know, probably on drugs. And, you know, he, he reads to me the origin of it. And it just, it is very interesting. Because if you stop to read some of these origins of these tests, it would, it, it, like, it doesn't make sense to take them, but then there's this pull, right? Well, what am I? Um, you know, because that makes us feel special. And it, as you were saying, it helps to validate us. So I think the main thing that we are, are trying to get across here, and it's not, you know, don't take these tests or there's no judgment. Um, you know, we, I like these sorts of things too, but what are you going to do with the information and how are you going to use that to move the needle forward and, um, and continue to, to, to live on purpose if that's your goal, right? And there's, I would go back to like this big pressure of having to be on purpose. And there's a really great book that I've been reading and I'll just mention it here and I'll put it in the show notes. It's called The Passion Paradox. And it's just a really timely book, um, especially as all of us are, you know, coming out of this pandemic. And I know, and Amy and I've talked a lot on this podcast around how this pandemic has changed us forever, right? It's, um, it's, it's really forced, we've both made huge life decisions through this last year, changed everything. It's allowed us to reprioritize, realign, all, you know, find what we really want. And so we've been doing a lot of that soul searching in terms of meaning too. So the, I just want to preface that. And so this past year, I think a lot of people are coming out with that even more um, you know, life's final, you know, we've, we've witnessed the biggest mass casualty event of our, you know, time um, that we're going to be on this earth. So we got to make it count, right? There's pressure around that. So um, that that's a little bit of what I'm feeling around it. And, and just want to encourage everybody that, you know, the main thing is if you're going to go down these paths, then what what action are you going to, to take um, in support of what it is you're trying to do, right? What Whatever that is. So I think that's some of the things that are coming up for me. And then the other thing, and I'll just share one other thing, because um, again, like if it's one of our most primal instincts to try to find meaning, it's a really fine line. And this is where I just, I want to just caution our listeners, because I've seen so many people either go down this personality type path or the conspiracy theory path, right? And again, when, when we're when we're living through uncertainty and 
and complex times, right? We try to find meaning in that through other out external ways, right? This external validation as Amy referred to. And so again, um, that just helps soothe our nervous system. And so we've seen it go both ways. I mean, I now have so many friends that are experts in human design. <laughs> And I'm like, you do know this was like created by some guy on acid in a rave, right? Um, well, I don't know if he was in the rave or not, but he was on the rave island, right? So it's like, that's fine. Um, and then, you know, I have another group of friends that are really down some of these like, you know, conspiracy theory paths that have been really interesting to watch. So again, I think we just have to be really mindful of how seriously we take these sorts of things. So I don't know if that that resonates with you, Amy, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on that? Well, you know, I'm really digging into this. So, it, and I think like if there's a pressure to live on purpose, to be on purpose, to um, to be like giving back to the world, to be of service, to do all of these things, like anytime there's pressure, right? Then there's going to be a, um, it can be motivated by many different things because you're feeling the pressure of it. So if you're out there and you're feeling the pressure, then it's going to, um, I hear people say this so often, like, I need the thing that's going to fix me, the medication that's going to fix me, the, you know, personality test that's going to fix me, the coach that's going to fix me, the, you know, religion that's going to fix me, the drug or alcohol that's going to fix me, whatever it is, it's like, I need, I feel this pressure, make this pressure go away. And what I find is that, it, again, what's lacking from that is, I don't, when I'm, there's two things that happen when I'm under a lot of pressure. One, I'm motivated, like I have more energy, but is the energy to the highest and best use of getting what I want to get done, done? Can I think clearly? You know, can I tune into my truth from that place? Mm, sometimes, maybe. But I definitely feel better without so much pressure, right? And more about like, ooh, how do I want to feel? And I know everyone's not going to resonate with that because there's many of you out there that like to live in your head that maybe haven't had the experience of feeling safe to drop into your body. And that's where I think like all of these out external resources really feed us. And it can create a whole other thing where I'm going to spend years and years and years researching what I'm going to do, who I'm going to be, rather than actually being moment to moment who I'm going to be, because it's just too uncomfortable in my nervous system to take the consistent aligned action or to just be who I'm going to be. It, it's much safer to keep hiring the next coach, to keep taking the next course, to keep, you know, taking the next personality test, to keep going down another rabbit hole to, of research than it is to actually go out there and do the things. Why? Because we're going to fucking fail, first of all. Like, I trip and fall and skin my knees and do the wrong things and say the wrong things every day. There's not one day that goes by as an entrepreneur that I've been since high school that I don't fuck it up in some way. And it's risky and it's vulnerable and it helps me be on purpose more, right? Like that's the big thing. Like I'm not, oh, this is because I'm dot, dot, dot. I'm like, this is because I tried something I've never done before and I'm not fucking perfect at it, right? And so I think that that's the big 
thing. It, it now y'all, this is going to be controversial and you're not going to like what I'm about to say. And maybe you're going to love what I'm about to say. And either way, like, I'm going to fucking say it. Cause I believe it. Like it is so much safer to go down the research rabbit hole. It is so much safer to go down the conspiracy rabbit hole. It is so much safer to stay in the discovery process rather than the doing process because it takes the pressure off of the individual and makes the, the, the searching, the discovering that part of it, the thing. And that's just the truth. And thank God we have research and development teams. Thank God. Like, again, it's not that I don't believe in it. Like I will set a timer and go down a research rabbit hole. I just do it with a lot more um, boundaries because I want to fucking be doing the things that are going to make the changes in the world. That's who I am. I need the people that are going to do all the R&D though right? Like it all works together. R&D meaning research and development, y'all, right? But I, it all works together. But what are we actually developing? Are we going to stay in the research? Are we going to develop something? And how do you want to feel while you're in the research and while you're in the development and then while you're in the just making it fucking real? And we'll be back right after a word from our sponsor. What if you had a tool that could help keep you accountable? mend your fractured relationships, and establish healthy daily routines. Soberlink's remote alcohol monitoring system is designed to help you create an optimized life, y'all. It's trusted by thousands of treatment professionals nationwide, including me. Soberlink helps recovering individuals gain accountability for sobriety through a comprehensive system that combines daily scheduled testing with advanced reporting capabilities to track progress. Soberlink devices use real-time results, facial recognition, and tamper detection to ensure the integrity of each test so your loved ones can witness you thrive in recovery. For tips on how to achieve lasting recovery, as well as a $50 off promo code, visit Soberlink.com forward slash thrive. Um, I have something else I want to share because I just feel like it's so important. You know, uh, I was listening to... Um, Brene Brown's podcast, and she had the Duplus, I don't know how to say it, the Duplus brothers, uh, Jay and Mark, I think their names are. They're filmmakers, and they grew up in New Orleans, and they went to college in Austin, and I just resonate with their work so deeply. Togetherness was just this really awesome thing. I haven't even watched all of them, but I know it was very activating to the world. And over and over and over again, what I heard them say during this podcast, and I thought like, oh, they're so trauma-informed, was they grew up middle class. Their parents continually made eye contact with them and said, whatever you want to do, I know you can do it. Secure attachment. Then they went on to say, like, there's no way that they would have been successful in the film industry. And they're, you know, multimillionaires now. And they create so much for Netflix and just brilliant art if they didn't take consistent aligned action. They didn't use those words exactly, but that's what they said. They're like, I don't know. We stayed curious. And we took the action and we still do the same thing. And I'm like, that's the whole thing. Like take a million personality tests, take a million courses, invest in a guide, invest in a mentor, invest in a coach, invest in a therapist. That's actually going to guide you to understand your truth and help you feel safe to take the consistent aligned action. And I promise you 
in some way, you're going to be like, I feel more purposeful than I've ever felt before. And I mean, can that be the whole damn thing? I don't know. We can still go search for meaning out there, right? Because if we weren't doing that, then our world would stop and contract. And so we're meant to be meaning makers, right? Oh, everything you said is so, so good. And um, I loved what, what you just referenced around staying curious, right? So it's not that um, I don't continue to do personal development and that sort of thing. I do that every single day because it inspires me. It helps me to create. It helps me to bring things to my clients, right? To continue to up level. But there's a difference between that and, um, and taking the action, right? So that goes together with um, kind of just the structure of my day versus like you said, staying in that discovery um, process. And I think one of the interesting things that I've heard people say this past year with some of these sparkly personality tests is that it's helped me to understand who I am as an entrepreneur, right? And, and I, what I hear them saying is that, it's helped them justify why they're not where they want to be, right? And so again, I just have to chuckle because I've heard that in so many, and, and that's so much safer, like you're saying, all of this goes back to it being safer um, for your nervous system. I mean, it is much easier, and I always use this reference, right? It's much easier to organize the drawer. Like I would love to be organizing the drawer. <laughs> So whether that be, uh, you know, buying the course that I don't take and then organizing the drawer instead of actually any of taking the action, right? But I just think that's so interesting. And we have to be mindful of that. Like, how are we using this, um, you know, search for purpose and meaning and, and up leveling? And, and how is that translating into the, the actual consistent aligned action? So I think there's a difference there. Um, so I just, I love this topic. It gets me all jazzed up because again, um, we witnessed this in hundreds, if not thousands of people in the recovery world, right? And uh, just this, this um, the, the lack of nervous system regulation in that world <laughs> and what, what that leads to in terms of this chaos of trying to find, when I think about like trying to find my purpose or meaning, the first thing that comes in, into my body is like the shaky chaos, right? Because it's, it's like uh, easier to stay there than it is to, you know, take the action. And I, I this has been a, a journey for me over the past few years. This is not easy. And, and it's, um, and I know like for you too, Amy, and this is, this is the work you do like so gracefully with so many people. And, and now a lot of the work that I do too. And again, it has nothing to do with staying in this place of trying to find it's, and, and it's just taking the action. And I, and I think that that's a good um, ending point for us to jump into. What is the one thing you can do to, to move the needle forward, to shift that stuck research discovery personality tests, getting out of that? What's the one thing people can do to shift that? Mm, yeah. All right, y'all, it's so simple. <laughs> Decide on one thing. Decide on one thing that you're willing to do consistently. Just one thing. And from that, so many things can grow. And I was just thinking of one of my friends who decided a few years ago that she was going to start flossing her teeth. It sounds so ridiculous. Right. And, and our big meaning makers, our big brains will be like, that's silly. 
her decision to start flossing her teeth has totally transformed her life. And she's, she's a different human than I met. And it was so funny. I remember staying with her and she's just like, I've been flossing my teeth every day for like a year and it's just changed my life. It, it can be that small because the nervous system will then get into this rhythm, this beat of like, Oh, I flossed my teeth and now I'm going to put some collagen in my coffee or I don't know, whatever it is that's next. Or, or now I'm going to spend 15 minutes every day writing a list of things that I have to do. And at 15 minutes every night on writing a list of everything I have to do the next day, right? Like that one habit, that one pattern will create the safety in your nervous system to be like, it's okay to be boring and repetitive because that's the story that our brains make up when we're consistent. And there's so much safety and it is so sexy all to be boring and repetitive <laughs> because from there you can create big, great things and live on purpose. Mike drop on that. I love that. Um, and, and that's, that's so great. The example that you used about, you know, your, your friend just flossing their teeth. And I love the example too, of create taking 15 minutes to do that brain dump. Right. Um, I know when I do that and, and maybe that'll be my takeaway, um, go, you know, from this podcast too, is, is to get back in that rhythm of doing that brain dump. Because again, um, when we get all of our to-dos out of our head, then um, we're able to clear that space, right? To be able to take the consistent aligned doing action as opposed to living in this chaos, which is how, you know, that's the first word that comes to mind when I don't have things organized like that. And I'll just share too, you know, gosh, it was like nine years ago um, when I was, uh, I I hired a life coach to get sober, you guys. And I remember her telling me that, you know, she didn't specialize in this sort of thing. Um, And it was like, I didn't want to do the recovery route, right? I just like, that's not going to work for me. I don't want this biblical based, you know, church basement program. I didn't want to go into treatment center. So um, anyway, she, she ended up connecting me with somebody um, who was in the recovery space. And I'll never forget when I spent the whole weekend working with her and this really doing this really deep work. And then at the end, she's like, you have two options to get sober. (laughs) She's like, you can go into a 12 step program or you can start meditating. And I was like, well, of course I'm going to meditate. I mean, of course. And so that meditation alone never, um, ultimately didn't get me quote sober. Right. But I started that practice and and I started it nine years ago. And again, just being able to do that consistently for nine years has been so helpful. Um, That's one of the biggest things that I'm consistent on. And, and I don't, I'm not perfect at it. And sometimes I sit down and I check my watch and I'm like, when is this going to be over still? (laughs) Even this morning, I was like, oh my God, it's 20 minutes in. I have other things I need to do. Right. But I sit down and I do it. Um, because I know that that helps to rewire the repetitive thinking in my brain, right? So that that's where I started with this consistent aligned action. And of course, it's morphed. And I know, Amy, you're one of the, when I look at your schedule, I, I'm just like, you are one of the most consistent people I know in everything that you do. And so I love how I'm always inspired by that. And you've inspired me to be more structured and consistent. I love how you, you just explained it as it's okay to be boring and repetitive. 
um, because it's so true. It goes back to the passion paradox of thinking we're living this, you know, life of uh, gosh, whatever, um, you know, just being swept off of our feet in all aspects. And it's not, it's not reality, right? The reality is it's um, we actually create more space when we're structured and repetitive to do the things that, you know, um, that, you know, maybe light us up. Right. So um, did you have anything else you wanted to add? So fun. Well, you know, yeah, I just think that something that we forget too, is that there's pleasure in learning how to do something well. And in order to do something well, we have to practice it. And whether it's, you know, literally pleasuring yourself in all of the ways from, you know, beautiful food to smell, touch, taste, you know, to orgasm, all of the things like we don't just pop out and know how to do these things. And so we're always like, oh, variety is the spice of life. Well, yeah, maybe, but then you never know how to do something really well. And if you practice it, it's sexy and it's yummy and it's purposeful and who knows what could be possible from there, you know? So that's the thing. So go, go forth and be consistent y'all. <laughs> well, with that, we so appreciate you for tuning in until next time. Bye y'all. Thank you so much for listening today. And the best way that you can support us in the Optimize Life podcast is to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. And we would love to gift you the Optimize Life toolkit when you do that. So thank you so much for your support. Thanks again. And to go ahead and grab your copy of the Optimize Life toolkit, head over to www.jessyonda.com slash the Optimize Life. And we have put together five hacks for you that will finally help you get in the zone all day, every day. Just so you know, we so appreciate each and every one of you. And thank you for joining us on this optimized journey.